Welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, a podcast where two comedians talk like experts on topics they're definitely not experts on. I'm Neil. I'm joined with Jordan. How are you going? Thank you for joining us. Uh, I don't know why you do, but thank you for doing that. I like how the opening has become a lot more formal now. Yeah. At the start, it was just, Jordan, how are you going? And now I say, I like that little tagline, comedians who talking like experts on subjects they're definitely not experts on, even though you are very clearly an expert on everything politics related yeah but we don't always talk about that it's just because i do think about it a lot i always just start sneaking it into everything and just like well i mean let's look at the political aspects of um (laughs) banana peels what's going on there yeah (laughs) i love the way you do that though we'll be talking about why women are attracted to chads and you'll be like, well, the neoliberal policies of the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> and everything's the 80s fault. <laughs> yeah, man, I, you're right. You're right. I'm going to try and do that from now on. That's going to be my swear jar. <laughs> I, I don't like reference uh, Reagan or Thatcher in an episode. I'm, I'm buying myself a Macca's. That's what's happening. <laughs> hey, can you hear yourself? Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. Can you? Sort of, but I'm assuming that that's all fine then. Yeah. Good. Well, there you go. An insight into the technical world of podcasting. <laughs> yeah, get used to that. Mm. There's a lot of conversations about are the peaking, like is, is the levels right? Yeah. And it's interesting stuff. It really is. But there's other things that I think that are much more interesting, such as Ooh. speaking. Well, just very quickly, uh, I want to say... There's always another opportunity to subscribe to this podcast. We offer monthly subscriptions, $1, 2 3 10 or $30 a month, special price of $30 a month, and that one will uh, enable you to have Jordan and I do an entire podcast on your topic. Go to neilkohacker.com slash podcasts to subscribe. There's also not many left of the uh, $10 a month question subscriptions. But, yes, Jordan, what were you What's your expert topic this week? I, I look. I'm. I'm just talking. You were just talking about free speech, which is probably more of a heady subject than what I'm saying. I'm. I'm just talking about the act of speaking. What's the point of it? Like this week, I think for the first time since I was in university, I thought maybe I should brush up on how to communicate effectively. And started watching a bunch of lectures about it and trying to get a bunch of books on it. So I have one question for anybody out there first off before we start. Do you know of any books that are about communication that don't suck ass? They're always from linguistics or semiotics, which have to be more boring than physics. I'm sure that if you're really into physics, you get it. But just to the average layman that sits there and reads when they're talking about quags and wormholes and stuff, like I don't know what those words mean. You may as well be reading Japanese. And I don't even know the difference between those two. What Can you give me a definition of linguistics versus what was the other one? Linguistics is just language. Semiotics is all communication. Okay. So crickets going... That goes under semiotics. Semiotics, okay. Just just me putting up this and doing that, that's semiotics. And is does linguistics, do books on linguistics try to teach you how to communicate more effectively or just do they theorize about language? They theorize about language. I would imagine that if you were an expert in linguistics, 
you would be a lot better at communicating. Um, Chomsky completely churned the head on it. That was that's he wasn't a linguistics professor originally, and right up until he came along, the idea was that you are kind of taught language, but he proved that actually babies have this innate instinct in them at birth mm. to want to have to have some kind of language. So, so what are you particularly interested in at the moment? Look, because you're a very effective communicator. You've garnered a huge audience online. and But extemporaneously, I think I could be a lot better. On the fly, I wish that I was able to diverge in and out of speaking as lucidly as someone like Jordan Peterson or Paul Keating. Don't you wish that you had that grasp on Absolutely. the English language? Yeah. That's one of my major goals in life, to be, as they call them, Lodjo de Dallas, which is the word, I think. I'm with you there. One one thing I'm doing at the moment, you'll, you'll laugh at this so much. I am trying to improve my vocabulary, immensely improve it, because I think that's the first step in really taking command of the English language, knowing the English language. Yeah, that's a good start. Uh, so I've uh, got this audio book called Verbal Advantage. Oh, man. Yeah, have you heard of it? Recommend, guys. Check it out. Have you already read that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's That was the OG one that I tried. Yeah, just recently or back in the day? Back in the day. Okay. With the guy that speaks like this. Yeah. Uh, I love great. that, man. And so <laughs> what I did was I every time I worked out, I work out maybe one and a half to two hours a day, and I needed really aggressive hip-hop music while I worked out. It got my blood pumping and got my energy up. It does do that. Really made me feel aggressive and angry and irate, which is very conducive to working out well. So I felt like I was wasting time and dumbing myself down by just constantly listening to 50 Cent on repeat. So I thought, well, how can I how can I hit two birds with one stone here? And I thought, well, I could listen to Verbal Advantage while I work out. However, I tried to listen to podcasts and audiobooks previously. And you know what podcasts do? They just put you into a sense of, it basically puts you into a micro sleep. You can't work out while you're listening to a podcast. I know some people do. I can't. No, you're right. No, and I need something to Thank you for up. exposing the game to our audience. But you just go back into your lull. And you keep listening to Neil. If anyone's working out listening to this one, good job. <laughs> yeah, it. top work, guys. I got to I'll back that. This is what I did. I downloaded Verbal Advantage and I added a backing track of really aggressive, uplifting instrumental hip hop music. Hey, that's smart. So there's just this guy being like, <laughs> obstinate. Synonyms for obstinate are, and there's like this. In the background. Does that work? It definitely uh, keeps me motivated while I'm working out. But you're paying attention to obstinate. I move in and out of attention there, but I have been re- I've been listening to it on repeat. So I like to think that with the rep- rep- repetitive listening, eventually. The words that I don't know, I'd say I know 50% of them. Uh, they all get ingrained into my mind. Well, how long have you been doing this? Allow me to become a grandiloquent, uh, verbose speaker. 
Oh, you know what though? Weeks. Like verbal advantage does work because even now, when I listen to verbal advantage, it must have been nine years ago. The words that were used in it still ring to me every time I read them. Well, I think you said one just a few minutes ago, extemporaneous. That's yeah. one from Verbal Advantage. Yeah, yeah. You just refresh me. What does that mean? <laughs> Extemporaneous <laughs> just means on the fly. Yep. It's actually okay. the word that I constantly use to describe the difference between when I'm doing a video that is edited or I've got a script to it. Everybody paid Tony Abbott out for this when he was saying that unless you're making a statement, you shouldn't be like saying you shouldn't be taking everything that someone says literally when they're just speaking extemporaneously. So just off the cuff because part of that, part of that process. And well, dude, this is what this whole podcast is, which is why it's so bullshit that it's constantly getting clipped out because this whole thing is us just hashing out what we think about something. And then they're just being like, I can't believe while hashing it out, you said something that went a bit too far. Yeah. That's the whole fucking point of doing it. You idiot. Sorry, now, as always, no, that's what we were just saying then. It's just like this has become Neil and I's sound off of the week. But uh, that's that's the point of it, I guess, is like – and I like extemporaneous communication. I guess what I'm saying is I want to get better at communicating extemporaneously. Sorry. That's okay. And I want to get better at not doing that You're every already podcast. very good at it. I don't think I am. Well, uh, who are you measuring yourself against? If you're measuring yourself against Paul Keating and Jordan Peterson, yes. <laughs> but I'm sure when they were, what are you, 31? Yeah. They weren't as good as you were. I don't know about that. Paul Keating was a parliamentarian at 25 and Jordan Peterson must have had his PhD by then. They were probably really good. And Jordan Peterson was a voracious reader. Now, I've read more books than the average person, but Jordan Peterson... He reads like, a hell of a lot. Yeah, he would have to be like one of the top few hundred readers on earth. Purely because his like job is an academic and he's got heaps of free, not free time because he's probably constantly speaking and getting over like his addiction or whatever. But before that. Yeah. So like, you know, I, I, I guess obviously reading has something to do with it, but it's also just the innate structure, I think, of people's mouth. Some people are just able to. And you know what else I'm constantly thinking about? You, there must be some some method in your head for speaking lucidly there's got to be some like little recipe to getting there which i think is always fucking me up when i'm speaking lucidly what do you think you're lacking do you think your vocabulary is quite advanced well thank you i Impressive. again don't think that it is for but me yeah well i'm compared you know compared to, compared to who i listen well, to your laborer mate <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> that is the comparison. You know, when you did the uh, Dear Your Majesty video, you were very eloquent in that one and passionate. It really came across. Mm. Yeah, but, but the, pu- scripted. Yeah, okay. That's true. Fair enough. And you're right. I think that on average, purely because... Our job is oratory. We are going to be better than the average person. But mm-hmm. I think that, as, as I'm always saying, politician, lawyer, comedian, interlinked. They're yep. all speakers. That's and, their job. And it's one thing just to be an effective speaker, but to do that consistently, because I've found 
in some interviews and podcasts, I've been really on the ball and my speech has been extremely fluid and it's had a nice flow to it. Yet there are some where I struggle and it's this sort of staccato overthinking everything I'm about to say. Yeah. And I'm with you. I Let's go through this journey together. <laughs> What do you mean? What what journey? Getting better at speaking? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'd like, clearly, I would really like tips. This is the other thing that I love about this podcast is that you can just leverage the audience to do your bidding. But can you please do my bidding for this one? Do me a solid. Have you got ideas? Have you got exercises? Have you got suggestions? There's, uh, what's the word now? Verbal... Dexterity, maybe? No. Verbal intelligence. Verbal intelligence is one of them, but there's like a... Verbal profundity? May- maybe. There's a test that you can actually take. And... It's it's a really simple test, but I think the average is about... So pretty much it's just like you've got 60 seconds and then you have to come up with all the words that you can that it start with the letter A, and then you just go 60 seconds, go, and then you just have to speak. Uh, that shows it's, it's, it's really just a test of how well you are able to construct sentences on the fly because you have that many words that you can grab very quickly. Mm. Uh, I think the average is 18. I think actually anything below per that, per letter, in a minute, anything below that, and you start getting lower on the spectrum and i think even i think even when you get to like 14 or 12 or something like that that's when like mental retardation starts kicking in gosh yeah so it's it's actually not because again it's the average right it's just like how people say that the average vocabulary is 10,000 it might not actually be that it might actually be a lot smaller than that that number is plucked out of thin air i've heard it's 3,000 3,000 is the average Fuck, that's really scary. If that's Sorry, the case. I heard that you can get by. You can get by knowing three thousand words. Mm. Sorry, you can absolutely do bad. that. No, you can. Um, yeah, no, the average might be ten thousand. Then the average might be ten thousand. And as I've said on this podcast and on my self help channel a lot, something that really frightened me. Well, it gave me a lot of hope as well, but it's it's just a very scary thought to me that uh, some social scientists ran an experiment where they had a control group and then they had a group where they were teaching that group a word a day for a year. That was it. Mm-hmm. A word a day. So they had an extra 365 words. On average, that group moved up in their career and they moved into different social circles. Yeah. And if they were in struggling marriages, the marriages either improved or broke up, and then they got a different Incredible. spouse. And that was from just 365 words. Gosh. How large was the sample space? I don't know. I don't know. But That's, that's all shocking. Wow. But yes, it is shocking, but it's also, if you like when you really think through what's happening there, well, but it makes sense, doesn't it? Three hundred and sixty-five words, and they've improved their socioeconomic status, their marital happiness. 
that's still shock. I wouldn't have thought it would work to that extent. Yeah. I thought it would have some minor improvements, but that is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Well, yeah, I, I, w- I thought of it as being unbelievable, but uh, Brian Tracy, I think, was the guy that was talking about it, and he was just saying that you just have to think of it like lang- every word that you have is like another Lego block. Yeah. And so if you have 365 more Lego blocks than your neighbor, you can build different structures with it. And because you're just focusing on it all the time and you're actually sharpening the tool in your head of trying to improve your verbal dexterity, you're able to build different structures quicker and faster because you're just exercising the muscle of retaining words and you're just focusing on words. Yeah. So it just comes to your mind quicker. And so like even things like, you know how uh, Jordan Peterson is always just saying, and this is one of the best, again, all the haters, you, I'm sick of hearing you just being like, that's not what Marxism is. Shut up about it. That's not what he's like. His real key trait is here. His point of just being like, when you're speaking, always be aiming to be as precise as possible. Like whenever you're in an argument with someone, if you're able to construct your sentence, this is why like like when it comes into a marriage, if you have more words available to you, you're able to sort out your problems a lot easier because you're able to say like, instead of just like going into these generalizations, because like if you have few words and you're arguing, it's going to result in domestic violence and stuff, which is why it happens in lower socioeconomic areas because you just be like, you can't. And they'll just be like, fuck off, dog. And then they'll beat the shit out of each other because they've got nothing else to go. And that's like a huge generalization. Mm -hmm. But really, if you boil down to it, it might be just something along the lines of, I don't like when you come home late. But even something like that to somebody like lower down in the socio, it's harder for them to communicate even that because they just don't even have the words to do it. Even something as simple as I don't like when you come home late. Not... That's like a really extreme example, but I'm just like... Sure, that gets to a point where there'll like be a correlation you, and then between... You'd like, well, you'd start with like, I don't like that you come home late. And you'll be like, why? And then you'll just say like, but I have to go and work and I have to work. And like, So you're able to explain longer sentences sure. and longer thoughts. You can be a lot more precise in describing your emotions. Yeah. Because otherwise it's, oh, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm happy, I'm... Yeah. And it reminded it. me of like... Remember that story? I was Because like, it keeps running in my head. When those kids poked my dog in the face with a stick and then, like, I've never seen my dog so angry before. He was, like, so angry at those kids. Like, he was savage. He was snarling. And there was just this face on him, like, fuck, if, if there wasn't a gate there, he would rip their heads off. Like, he was really irate. That again is because like he's got no form of communication. He's That's it. Pugnacious. He's pugnacious. <laughs> <laughs> Which means, you know, uh, fighting. Willing Wants to, to fight. fight. Wants to yeah. fight. Um, yeah, that's... If he was a pug, it would be... And he's, he's got a pug-esque face. So, it's look, it's related. That's what I'm trying to get to. <laughs> he looks sort of like a, it's a bulldog. So, oh, just man. a fat, ugly pug. Everything I read, you've read, always read 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, I read that when I was 17. <laughs> well, in this field, yeah. You come to me if you want, like, the... the. 
I, I have a PhD in books of guys in business suits at the front smiling with suspenders. You come to me if you want to know what they're talking <laughs> you do, about. You do. <laughs> you, you have more than a PhD. Um, Was there one area that I may have read more than you in? Now I'm getting to a I've read a lot on relationships and uh, dating psychology, mainly because of the other podcast I do. Oh, so you're constantly reading up on it? I'm trying to read. Right now I'm trying to... I, I'm alternating between a book on humor theory and dating psychology. What's her uh, what, What's her uh, top recommendation? I haven't actually asked her that. You should ask her to yeah, do a recommended that's reading. that's a good point. I gave a list today on the Discord of uh, 11 books that I've read recently. I was recommending. Well, which ones of those do you think were valuable? All of them. So all of them were good. Well, they came to mind as of the ones that I've read in the last two to three years. Mm. They, I, I just said to myself, oh, I'm gonna put a, put out a reading list here, and they all came to mind. I tried to have some that were from different topic areas. Um, you want to go through? Sure. Let me remember. I'll bring the Discord up eventually because eventually we have to answer a question anyway. So Sapiens, I always recommend. Whenever people ask me... Sapiens is just an interesting read. It's fantastic. So the topic I said was human condition. Uh, and then relationships, I had Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel. Yeah, you like that, that one. That one really speaks to me. Hmm. I find it fascinating. Hmm. And self-help, I know you don't like him, but I really like uh, Mark Manson and... I didn't even say the first one. Everything is fucked. His, so that was the sequel. better one. It's the yeah. same thing with Eckhart Tolle, actually. His sequel's better than... Because when it comes to these books, they're like a philosophy. So you get the feedback from the first one and then you, again, like yeah. Jordan Peterson says, are able to make your argument more precise. That's exactly right. Uh, for politics, because I, I only read Manufacturing Consent this year. It was fascinating. And I read a book by Thomas Sowell, who's a conservative author, called A Conflict of Visions or Conflicting Visions. It's one of those two. What does that mean? So he talks about how many intellectuals in the past can be can be dissected into one of two schools of thought, which is people who have the unrestrained vision and people who have a restrained vision. Very briefly, he essentially says that the unrestrained vision is that humans are very malleable and from birth can achieve uh, whatever the, the culture and the environment of the time can bring about in them. And the constrained vision is that we need to rely on the wisdom and the culture of the past to continually improve. And we can only, I suppose, hope to stand on the giant shoulders each generation without without the human, the, the individual being able to uh, completely map out their life from, from a point of zero. It was in January that I read this, so uh, it, I just remember thinking that it was, it was a very interesting take and 
because I was looking at books to read by Thomas Sowell because that's someone Ben Shapiro and all the conservative people are always talking about. Oh, is he the black guy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite author is definitely Thomas Sowell. You have to read Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell. No, he's, so he's, he's super a, intelligent. So I read that book and I just, was, look, it was very uh, academic at points. So it's dense, is it? It's very dense. It, it is dense. It's, it, although I think, I think people who listen to this podcast can get through it. Is it wanky? Does it need to be that so. dense? Like, do you think that he just kind of like meanders on points that don't need to be and he, like kind of just abstracts it and... Because that's what... Look, every book... I, I, he, sure, he could have condensed it, but... No, no. I but know. I think what it, what was interesting was the... Just the constant uh, showcasing of examples that proved his point. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. All right. I right. just remember that, like I said, I can't really articulate exactly... Go into too much detail about the nuances of those two visions he talks about, but that is the the, the crux of what the book's about. The one I was talking about, I did a we did a whole podcast on that uh, jokes and their relation to the unconscious. Sim- Freud. Freud. I read a book called The Corporation. Have you read it? Yeah, it's in your f- yeah. That one yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea about the, the, the you know the precise legal framework of corporations and how that differentiates to say a partnership or even just a large family-owned business Mm. which seems probably to you seems like such a simple thing but it's so simplistic then when political parties say things like or we're the party for business well a small business compared to a corporation is a very different entity oh yeah yeah so made me think about things a lot more because I generally would, I suppose, see all business as a monolith, but it's not at all. I knew there were differences, obviously, between a corporation and a small business, but that book really... Even even like the legal framework is what really points out. Limited liability and then the fact that, you know, just all about how the shareholders, there was not enough shareholders that were investing in corporations because they were there was too much liability. So then they introduced limited liability and then no one really is. If a corporation, if the decisions at the helm of the corporation are nefarious and was poor, who is held accountable? It actually comes down to the taxpayer who have to bail out the corporation. Hmm. Yeah, that one really made me change my mind. Uh, Sunburn Country, which is, have you read that? No. It's, it's about how climate change will affect Australia. Is this Flannery? Uh, Janelle Georges. Never heard of it, but yeah. yeah. I was just Googling books about climate change, specifically how it would affect Australia. That was it. It was, it was a great book. Sick. Yeah. And yeah, she breaks down a lot of the science, but specifically talks about the yeah, El Nino and La Nina and Enso and things like that, which again, I'd have to. I, I wrote a lot of notes about it, but uh, the major takeaway I took away I, I, from that was we will experience uh, a higher quantity of the extremes of each of the weather patterns. So, a lot more bushfires, a lot more floods, just the extremes will become a lot more prevalent as the years go on. Mm. 
and also how it will affect the geography of South Australia and different parts of Australia because Australia is so big. There's a different climate actually for many different parts of the country. But anyway, that's a great book. And then there was one, uh, What We Know About Climate Change, which is sort of a layman's guide to the introduction to the science of climate change. I just needed to brush up on it. That was really good. That's one I'd recommend for a lot of people because it really just, as concisely as possible, lays out the science without any emotion, which is what turns people off. So it was a great book. And I think it's called What We Know About Climate Change. It's actually by an American, it's by a Republican, I think, who was actually in Congress. So it's not a partisan thing, even though it shouldn't really be a political issue. It is. Anyway, that's a long list of. Yeah, no, that's there. pretty cool. So I'm trying to I read. Think it's broadly. actually on record. It's on the Discord. I'm going to check out the ones. Okay, cool. Well, I will check out the check ones out that the I haven't Discord. read so far. Because that's the whole thing, man. Like, this is actually in my response to the City Morning Herald video that's like taken out a month. And I, I was thought I was just being really lazy about it. And then I look back at it and I thought, no, I've actually written a stand-up show's worth on this one topic. So the, it's the only script I've really been working on for the last month. And I've just been half-assing the rest of the content that's been coming out. But it's because the more I think about it, it's obviously the, the subject that I'm obsessed with in life, which is just... Uh, uh, news and like how it's presented just propaganda mm-hmm. um there was a thought that occurred to me that i remember reading in 1984 and had completely forgotten about this is why it's actually important to read long books on subjects because news by its design like when it was when it was originally invented not originally invented but uh like this was a deliberate strategy that happened during uh, when the Ministry of Information set up in 19, I can't even remember now, 1914 or whatever it was. Um, They wanted news to be short. They wanted news segments to last like three or four minutes, five minutes. It was really long, 10 minutes, 15 minutes or something like that. Like the, the design was to make, journalism being like these kind of like thousand word articles and that would be like a feature article or whatever. But when you look at it, and this is what I noticed when they started coming after me, right? They ask you for a comment and there are consultants that get paid like millions of dollars to go to political parties and just say like, just say this. They're trying to come up with a cut through line that they can insert into the news, right? Just like one sentence that encapsulates what they're saying as effectively as possible. Sorry, the consultant's working for the news company? No, for political parties. Oh, okay. Like media advisors and stuff. And like they'll have like outside consultants as well that they'll hire and say like, how do we get our messaging across through the press? And that, that like it's a huge industry just trying to get that concise wording in it. Now, obviously, when they rang us up, we always just do the things of abusing them back and asking them a bunch of questions about their ownership. And so they just get pissed off and they don't write anything. But we're in the position because we actually have like a platform where we can defend ourselves, right? But the average person... 
This is the how the game goes. They ask you a question that you cannot defend yourself in a sentence, right? So then they get like a sentence out of this podcast where I said, I can't even remember what it was now. It was like something like, Luke Foley grabbed an ass once. Like, is that reason that he should be uh, toppled as opposition leader? I don't know about that, right? So they got a sentence, as I was saying before, that was like said extemporaneously where I'm trying to figure out what I actually think about the subject, but also trying to explain a much bigger point, which was the point that I was saying of like, every time there's a sex scandal in the press, it's because there's like a bigger political intention behind it. Like they're trying to get rid of that politician because they're uh, working against the narrative of the owner, like working against the interests of the owner. Yeah. Like it's, it's what uh, Chomsky is saying of like, if, if there's a political sex scandal, look out for your wallet. Something bigger is happening. Um, that was the point that I was trying to make, right? How am I supposed to, when I was like saying, when I'm trying to explain that point to everybody watching and it takes like 15 minutes to explain that point and they're taking a sentence out of it and they're giving you a sentence to respond no matter what you say in that sentence, if I'm just like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. If you say like, that's bullshit or like you took me out of context, no matter what you say, just by the very narrative and setup of that article, it makes you look more guilty. If you say no comment, you look more guilty. If you say, I'm sorry about that, you're admitting guilt. Uh, If you say that's bullshit, you're admitting that like, it seems like what, like, well, why would they be writing a story on that? If that's the case, like the whole design is that there is no possible way for you to explain yourself. And then I was thinking about that more. That is the purpose of news. The purpose of news is to make sure that you have, is is to, again, give off this illusion that everybody has been consulted and all those perspectives have been, like, looked into, but they're only giving you this much. They're giving you a sentence in an article where the article always, just by the design of human beings, always is going to have a slant to it. And so whatever they slot that sentence in, it just proves their point because they have the other thousand words or whatever. Now, the excuse that they always use when you say this is, oh, it's only a thousand words. And I was thinking about that. That is by design. It's by design because if it's only a thousand words, you've immediately, even if the journalist was sincere and was trying to get your perspective, just by that design, you've eliminated complicated thought. You've eliminated nuanced argument. All you've got room for is slogans. And if all you have room for is slogans, then it just turns into platitudes and then people get desensitized to the argument. And so you are just constantly conveying shallow thought. So really, an article is just an extended slogan. It's an extended slogan saying like, think this, think this, think this over and over again. They want it to be short because short results in mind control. Short, if, if you are just constantly reading short little bits of information, that's why I always think that like people on Twitter have got to be the dumbest people on earth because it's just such a teeny amount of information that you can get across. Yeah. Now, it might be good in our circumstance because like you, you're practicing your skill of wit, of like condensing a lot mm. of information into that. But brevity. That's one aspect. Brevity. Another, Definitely brevity is a word thing. I learned. Brevity means shortness. But... When you're reading a book, that's truly reading someone's perspective. Yes. Yeah. News is nothing but like the perspective of the owner. 
being enforced over and over and over again. It can't be anything else by design. There, could there be situations where someone has just said a sentence, not part of a larger thought or a larger argument, they've just said that one sentence and the news is simply relaying that? Do you think that that's the case though? Because like, dude, think about it. Like True. they do this shit to Jordan Peterson all the time. Yeah. Don't you reckon? That's their classic tactic. They do it to Sam Harris all the time. Yeah. And coming back to the culture wars, both sides do this. They will take someone who they are ideologically opposed to, snip out one or two sentences that are de- deliberately taken out of context and use that as a way to completely disparage the other person. Mm. Can we... T- okay, I've seen that clip now on Twitter twice. Once someone said, oh, Neil, you didn't know what toxic masculinity is. This is it. Well, first of all, no, that doesn't define it for me at all. That's your vague interpretation of what toxic masculinity is. Again, no clear definition. Still searching for that. Somebody give it to me. Never going to happen. I've I've realized that now. Um, Do you want an opportunity to... uh, explain that to to talk about that comment or anything because i'll be talking about it in the video but i'm happy to do it again i mean like we did talk about it in the podcast and obviously yeah. it was like gr- grossly misaligned or whatever but i've got new additional information to put to it because my understanding of what you were saying is that what you just said there are there were greater machinations at play so we shouldn't be just focusing on that but you weren't necessarily questioning the immorality or the you know unethical nature of that singular act but there are larger issues that needed to be discussed way larger issues and also like i was saying in the last podcast like does the punishment really fit the crime if someone is drunk at a party and they there's one instance of it it's not like it's a serial thing even if this allegation is true which like again this is an allegation and i've got like a lot of reasons to like doubt it now because they tried to paint me as like having like a sexual harassment charge in that article it was like very dishonest wording of what they were doing there so they do this shit all the time what did they say about you because i i skimmed through that article they said the wording was something along the lines of uh Jordan was defending uh, allegations of Luke Foley. Jordan also has a charge against. Uh, Jordan has all is also under investigation for a, a, a like a. Jordan is also under mm. investigation, implying that, that I'm under investigation. Truth? No, so they just lied. What was the truth was because it was no, what they were doing was they were conflating two ideas very, uh, very like th- th- that was definitely intentional, oh, definitely intentional. They're conflating. So, are you under investigation for something not no. related to sexual assault? Investigation isn't even the right word. This is what happened. We took a photo in a park of a blurry house because it was, and we'll be getting to that soon, of a celebrity's house or whatever which there's nothing fucking remotely illegal about that. Um, And then that celebrity then reported to the police being like, I'm being stalked by friendly Geordies. Like that, that is the only contact I, that that's the only like time I've ever been near that house. And it's because it's like right next to my friend's house. 
and we were taking it as a photo as like a bunch of other photos that we were taking that day. And so he's just sitting there being like, this is stalking. And it's so not regarded by the police that the police got that report a month before and they did nothing. They never contacted me about it. Obviously, they just did the thing of like someone getting a report. It's the same thing as like, you know, people report to the police that they've seen ghosts. So it's technically true that there's been a police report of it, but do the police take it seriously? So they he conflated the the uh, defense of Luke Foley and put in the the sentence Jordan is being investigated to imply that you are being investigated for some sexual sort of harassment. sexual harassment. That's definitely the intention there. That's quite malicious. Well, that's that's the whole point. The whole thing is like a hit piece. That's all news is. What's this photo though? What did you were you did you did you showcase their their address or anything? No, I was at my okay. friend's house. It's like right next door. We we went for a walk after like working like an eighteen hour day or whatever. So we just went to the park to stretch our legs, and we were just like, "Oh, that's that guy's house." I was like, "Oh, cool!" Like just like when you go to Hollywood or whatever, and you're just like, "That's Matt Damon's house or some shit." Yeah, took the photo. Went on with our day. We're like, oh, sick, there's a possum or some shit like that. They were just like, oh, my God. Keep in mind, this and celebrity is constantly putting their house on their TV show all the time, just like showing it all the time. That's is, how we knew it was Is it house. a politician? No. Oh. It's a That's journalist, but this is surprising. coming soon, but it's not actually a fucking journalist. It's, it's like a failed D-list celebrity we took the photo as a meme. Is it someone you've previously attacked? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I think I know who it might be. <laughs> and so he's like... So did you post the photo on social media? Well, I didn't, but yeah, like my lackey did. And so they put it there. And so he was... But like we weren't just putting like... There was nothing about it or like where they live or anything like that. There was nothing okay. remotely threatening about the photo. And so he's like... He's not stalking. No. Man, if it's not repetitive, I can't see how that's stalking. Well, it's definitely not stalking. It's definitely not harassment. And it's so Sorry. not taken as the... I don't know. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Like, you can say that it was like a stupid, like, or like, a, you know, you, you could say it was like a, a bad thing to do. You can say that. But I wouldn't say this. If the cops don't think it's even worth notifying me about or like seeing what my side of the story is or something like that. I'm clearly not a threat to the person at all. So, that was taken a month before. They bring up that, despite the fact that the cops obviously think that this is like a non-issue and the person just like way overreacted to it. They bring that up. And that's like when they say in the article, like we've got facts on both sides. My entire career... My entire seven years has been condensed to a report that no one took seriously, that they went out of their way to dig up and then they made that yeah. my entire career. Well, they're very clearly not dealing with the substance of your arguments in the sliders. No, it's all mudslinging. I tweeted that. Right? It was just, this is very, this is obvious ad hominem attacks. Nothing's been proven, nothing... They're just saying you wrote some offensive tweets. I, I didn't see what the tweets were, but if they're, how offensive can they be? 
What were the what were the tweets in that article he was talking about? Wait, what? Did I read the same article? What happened? He said you also it's the article that was saying uh, Kevin Rudd says he's a serious broadcaster, but oh no, this is a different article. Because again, oh, they've okay. hit me again. But yeah. they're they're going to regret that because this article is going to come out. It's going to be a massive, oh, a massive attack of like an hour on that, that article, and then we'll do another one on that article. Okay. And I'll reveal this as well. We're going to be doing a documentary about how shit Nine Fairfax is by talking to a bunch of ex journo's. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's the strategy. That's it's to. Because like you say, it's so disingenuous the way that many of these questions are framed. They don't give you a chance to properly explain yourself. And it comes back to something I read about recently, the framing principle, I think, where based on the framing of a question, guilt or the correct and moral posture is already assumed. So you take the, an example like gun laws, for example. If you ask a politician, why should the average citizen be allowed to wield a deadly assault rifle okay the the morality of what the correct position is is already implied in the questioning similarly why should a a bureaucrat be able to restrict the freedoms of law-abiding citizens that's just the antithesis of that the Mm. same morality is there in the framing of that question Mm. so if people are asking you what makes you think it's okay to support sexual violence. Well, no matter what you say... That's the whole point. You can't... I never said that. Okay, you sound guilty. Yeah. And and the restriction of information as well. Mm. It's just like, here's this massive accusation. Explain yourself in seven words. Mm. The, the, the really... The just and the noble way to ask those questions would be, this is what you said. Can you explain it? And give you a chance to explain it. But not, oh, so you're okay with this. So you're okay. That's all Q&A is. It's people who are asking questions. That's what's so frustrating. I can never watch it. Yeah, no, it's People horrible. who are asking questions where the, the moral judgment is already implied in the question. Exactly. Well, the, you know what? You can even go further than that. The fact that they're even bringing up the question in the first place shows that they're putting a moral judgment on it, which is like, okay, I understand that when it comes to Q&A because they're just like citizens or whatever. And so obviously they're just going to be like constantly extolling their values onto people. But this okay. this whole illusion of objectivity in the press, the the very fact that they decided to bring up the Foley comment shows something about what they're saying. There's nothing objective about that. Like no matter what the press raises up, they're putting a value judgment just by raising it up because they're saying this is important. That's the whole point. Otherwise they wouldn't bring it up because they don't think it's, they don't think it's important enough to include in an article. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they are putting a value judgment on it, but they're constantly trying to sell this message to you that they're like somehow unlike any other human being on earth, not biased like every other human being on earth has all of these inherent biases in their mind from their upbringing and like their their education and training but no no they've been trained out of all their biases to be completely objective that's a joke it's insane but they 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 believe this you talk to them and they think that that's the case deluded they're deluded it's it's look say what you will about trump i understand his frustrations with the way the media is 
always framing everything he says in a negative light. Now, a lot of what he says I don't personally disagree with, but they don't give him a chance to properly respond. It's a similar sort of questions that they'd be asking you. Yeah. It's, no, it's like, well, it's the same thing because yeah, obviously, like on a much larger scale, that's obviously what's happening to Trump on a consistent basis. But I think that we're both actually just riding the wave of the fact that everybody is kind of understands what the press, the, you know, the press has like an ulterior motive. Yeah, it's a great time to be a... It's a great in our t- space. It's a great time to be in our space, but it's just about people like understand. explaining to people what that ulterior motive is. So actually, yeah, going back to the Foley comments, we were looking at it because I was just like, look, let's let's look at this, right? Let's look at why they included that comment out mm. of all the things that I've said out of like hundreds of hours of podcasts all up. Why did they zoom in on one thing, right? Um is it because they actually care about like sexual harassment or like sexual dude I'm new to like inside parliamentary gossip but I have heard of politicians and obviously I'm not going to name names because I just think that's stupid when it's just allegations or whatever but like way worse allegations way worse did they have this like huge barrage like coordinated assault against them for like much more credible as well because it's more people saying it and these are more serious crimes. Do they get any of it? No, completely silent. So is it the fact that it's just about like the morality of a leadership of a, of a leader of the party? It's, it's very different when you're the leader. Well, Gladys Berejiklian has just been proven to be a home wrecker, which don't you think that's a little more psychologically damaging to be in a relationship with a married man for seven years on Maguire's wife. Like if if she is just like this adulterated outside thing that has to live in that marriage for that long. If that is a consensual relationship, not necessarily because... But it definitely was not. It, How like, so? Well, we know for a fact it wasn't because of ICAC. Like this was just a relationship that was happening in secret. No, but both her and uh, what's his name, Daryl, oh, Maguire. They they were consenting. They were yeah. consenting. But he was in a marriage with another woman. Yeah. So think about it from her perspective. No, of course. That she finds out that she's just been like cheated on for the last seven years. That's true, uh, but many people would say an abuse or an assault is far more pernicious because. It's someone using either their physical power or their um, uh, professional power to do something that the other person is not consenting to. True, but here's the difference. What Luke Foley did is in no way... like First of all, see, this is the whole thing. Just the fact that they're constantly bringing this up it's an allegation. There is no way of proving whether this did or didn't happen, to what degree of severity it happened. All of this stuff is just like completely by the wayside. Like this, mm-hmm. this is just a he said, she said thing, right? That's it. When it came to Gladys Berejiklian, she is proven to have done that. Didn't so it's just ad- like on record. Didn't he admit to it? Who? Luke Foley? No. No, he was always saying that this is just a complete beat up. This is not okay. what happened. 
Um, but the other thing is, what he did is not it couldn't even be classified as sexual assault. There's no crime against it. It's like it 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 would be at most sexual harassment, which are two completely different things, and it's getting yeah. conflated to the level of sexual assault because of how much coverage was on it. So even again, when we're talking about degrees, there is a reason that laws are in place. There is a reason that rape is more punished than shoplifting. You know, of like there's, there's a degree in in the severity of it. Yeah. Right. Th- this was just a. A, allegedly a one-off instance it is also an allegation nothing is proven about it Gladys Berejiklian's is proven the other thing that has also been proven is that Gladys Berejiklian was covering up corruption in that Maguire was telling her he, her about his schemes to manipulate the government so that he could profit from manipulating zoning laws and things like that like clear-cut corruption Gladys Berejiklian's response I don't need to know about that so if, if you're coming to like the idea of like who's fit to lead, you're basing it off of one allegation of something that is like much less of a crime than covering up corruption. Co- covering up corruption is a crime. That's what's like currently getting settled in courts now, right? Like mm. they're, they're fighting that over now. Like uh, that's the difference. But then the other thing is you look at the coverage, right? This is the, this is the main point. The main point is Gladys Berejiklian, in the Sydney Morning Herald, 58 articles that month. 15 of them are defending her. They're defending someone who has been proven in court to be covering up corruption, defending her. The others are neutral. How many are negative? Three. You look at the month of Luke Foley, 35 articles, 100% are negative. 100% are attacking him. Not one is sitting there pointing out this is an allegation. I mean, they're, they're legally required to say allegedly did this or whatever, but the, the obvious slant there is he must resign. I've got exactly the same author for Gladys Berejiklian sitting there saying like, for, with when it comes to Gladys Berejiklian being like, her only crime was that she trusted too much. And then when it comes to Luke Foley, Luke Foley must resign today. That, that whole slant on, oh, she, you know, she's a woman that was manipulated by a man is so tiresome. I know. Yeah, that that's just gross. I will say that I don't think being a home wrecker is morally worse than I know. And let's just—I'm talking hypothetically. We're not talking about these specific instances because yes, one is alleged, but compared to sexual harassment, there is—I don't think the moral severity is increased by being a home wrecker there. But. It's the ongoingness of it. Like, it's seven years. And we're not even talking about morality here. We're talking about the psychology of that, right? So, somebody drunkenly touching someone else's ass, just being like, and then getting rejected... uh, That that might be... you You could argue that that is, like, psychologically damaging. Yeah. There would be a difference if that was going on continually for seven years straight. That would really wreck your confidence. It's like when something is drawn out over a long period of time, it obviously magnifies how severe it is. So it's the same as like, don't you think that there would be a, a, a less of a gap if like you were in a relationship with someone and then they said, I cheated on you last night. Like I had a one night stand with someone. Much more forgivable than someone coming around and saying, hey, I've been in a relationship with a mistress for the last seven years. Well, in that situation, yes, but... Again, 
the the you're talking about the the duration there, but the action of cheating is the same. The duration is just different. But this isn't. We're not comparing cheating with cheating here. We're comparing uh, cheating over yes a long period of time with what could be called an. I don't know if I would call it an act of violence, but it's a sort of physical. Uh, this is where vocabulary would be useful. Uh, well, you know what the, physical... the phrase that they're using for it? Yeah. If 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 Foley was guilty of exactly what they said, like the worst case scenario for this, yeah, it would be in a what is known as inappropriate touching. So not sexual assault. Yeah. Not sexual harassment even. Like, I suppose they were using the phrase sexual harassment. But inappropriate touching is, like, so far down the line of where it's, like, being propped up to in the press and what it was, like, used as as a tool to remove someone. And the thing is that, like, again, I'm not saying, like, I'm not... I'm not excusing that behavior, but I am saying... The treatment was very different. The treatment was very different, and the press know for a fact of way worse crimes. Like, way worse things that are happening inside Parliament right now. They they would definitely know about it, because, like, I'm on the peripheries of parliamentary gossip. They're entirely... Like, they're embedded with these people. They would know exactly who's a predator and who isn't. Such incestuous cunts. Such incestuous cunts, <laughs> but they're not doing anything about it, so they don't actually care about yeah, it. That's my main my main point is just like, dude, if you actually cared about it, walk the walk. But the, the whole thing that I'm constantly pointing out they about the press is job. they don't actually have any values. Mm. The values that they do have are really sick and warped when you look at it. Their values are money and advancement in their career. I can't think of a worse value system in life because the, the reason that gave me to those comments and I'll say it exactly here, it was the same thing when you heard stuff like, oh, Hillary Clinton assassinated her enemies or something like that. You know, I don't think that you should assassinate your enemies, obviously, but if the choice is between that and someone pulling out of the Paris Accord, I'm voting for the person that assassinated their enemies. I'm always putting that thing... Okay, so you're saying you're using that example as an... Another way you're looking at the bigger picture yeah, and what's more important. That's the whole thing. It's just like I'm constantly trying to draw people's attention to this. Politics is about society. It's not about the morality of someone. Now, obviously, morality might have like a reflection on their leadership or whatever. But the thing is that like the leader is part of a machine that is getting installed and that machine changes society. I think a lot of people would say that the morality of the leader should come into question. And if they are an immoral person or a perceived immoral person, that would then influence the decisions they make. And if that's the case, and if that's their argument, fine. You can make that argument. But be fucking consistent with it. Sure, I agree with that. Like, if you're going to say that, where's the scrutiny on Gladys Berejiklian We're for a- doing something that is, like, a crime? Like, a it is a crime for the premier of a state to excuse corruption. Look, we're in this bizarre me too climate where as soon as any woman says they're uncomfortable ever you know 
Well, this is the other you, thing. You can't question it or you, you no. can't even do what, what you're doing. It's just an, an equation equating that with another thing. And No, you look, can't. And like, and th- this you know is the whole thing. Like, I, I hate the fact here. that... Okay, go just on. what Thank you said you. on that <laughs> podcast, which is... I'm trying to challenge you with things, but look, what you said on that previous podcast, which is that... Which now a lot of people would raise eyebrows to, but... You know what? You're not wrong. I was thinking about that as well. When you first said it, I ha- I, I was taken aback. But when I, I've had like drunk women come up to me and do things like grab my dick and grab my ass and all sorts of things like that. Yeah. And here's the thing. I don't sit there crying victim about it. Now, yes, I guess I have physical power. Well, I don't, some of these women are pretty fucking big, but I don't have the physical. I have physical power. So if it came down to what I can push them off or. You know, I'm in the position of power because I'm the the comedian and they're not, which is a strange argument to make. But it's it's a it's still the same act whether you have the power or not. It's immoral regardless of whether it is a man or a woman. If you are, you know, grabbing someone, that is you, you have to be consistent. Yeah. It's talking about the consistency there the as consistency. well, right? But yeah, when it when it happens to a man, it's like oh, ha, ha, like yeah, I'm sure that was traumatic for you. But this is the whole is thing, like really like, like, like dude, a gen- it's all just skin at the end of the day. Yeah, it's all yes, there's that, but it's also this, like even if you're going to argue exactly that that it's inappropriate, yeah, it is inappropriate. Just like saying like an inappropriate joke is inappropriate, but like. Even when you're just saying that, right, like with the varying of degrees, with the previous guy of like him just showing like an offensive picture, yeah, it offended people. The response is not to cut that person's head off. I think it's the same thing when it comes to like inappropriate touching. Again, like I was saying, worst things have happened to me in my life. I don't want that person punished. No, neither do I. I don't even think they deserve punishment for that. Like I think that like if it's like a continual pattern, you give them like a, a side of just being like, you should probably stop doing that. It's a bit fucked, you know. But it's just like scolding someone for like a like like a kid for 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 um you know like a breaking a pot on purpose or some shit, you know. Like you want the behavior to stop, but you don't want that kid to have like a severe psychological like wound for the rest of their life as a punishment, or like you don't want that person's life ruined. You don't want like their job prospects fucked. You don't want like their entire social circle to disintegrate. Uh, my You're talking about the inappropriate touching, yeah. Yeah, and like... It's my, different to say like a rape or something like that. That's a but crime. But again, that that's you, like... That's different. Yeah. That's not the same crime. No, I know, no, and I agree that there needs to be a an analysis of the severity of the crime and what's his name? Matt Damon said something about that and got crucified because, you know, you can't say anything about this. But... No, they're really yeah, but this is and then I come back to the last podcast where their argument is no, it's this pervasive culture of um a dehumanization of women, right? Fine. If you want to make the cultural argument, make it about Islam then. And they don't do it. Yeah, no, you can't. Can so you? then I don't have any respect for this cultural argument. If you're not willing to be consistent. So I'm with you. Consistency is paramount in all of these situations. And you can respect it if people are. Exactly. And you know why? Because consistency shows that you've thought through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like as soon as you feel like it's just opportunistic, like you're trying to get some gain out of it, it's really – people hate that. Absolutely. So if it's 
a pervasive nefarious culture fine but then don't then go and say something don't then change your argument when it comes to different ideologies or different cultures which are much clearer cultures okay this idea that again toxic masculinity the most nebulous term i've ever i've I've had people DM me and I'm yet to hear a consistent, a like clear-cut definition of what that even means other than, hey, a man did something I didn't particularly like, therefore it's toxic masculinity. Or some people have said things where men are, you know, men are forced to suppress their feelings and it's a very simplistic look about this thing that doesn't actually... Yeah, there are some men that are told, hey, don't be a crybaby, toughen up. But there's no real complex analysis about that culture as though everything about masculinity can be reduced to toughen up no there's a lot and look we could do a whole podcast on that but uh and it's so weird as well it's just like what regulate what the the fuck like what toughen up's bad that's such a stupid point as well it's just like they haven't thought that out at all have they i mean there are so many jobs that still exist today that yeah you need to toughen up to do the bloody job and sort of equating that with like hey that toughen up culture is somehow the same culture that says it's okay to abuse women i just look it doesn't make any again i want to be on board if if this is such a virtuous path to take I wish I could say I'm on board with this but it just hasn't made any sense to me and you know what else has weaponed as well like it's it's actually has become the modern day witch hunt like i have a crack level uh defense barrister that's just like you know i go to for legal advice before we release anything that's uh could that i could get sued for or like (laughs) well she she defends a lot of crackheads but she's like she's she's like (laughs) she's really really notorious and she's uh she like she's she's high up in the in the barrister world but one of her biggest gripes is, and she's one of those people, like she's like Camille Paleo, like she describes herself as a feminist, but she hates feminists. And she's constantly saying that this is like one of the biggest cancers in the legal system, which is that that South Park M word exists, where as soon as you are accused of sexual harassment or sexual assault, doesn't matter what the facts are, you're guilty instantly. And job prospects gone social circle disintegrated marriages broken up like that person becomes a pariah of society purely because someone opened their mouth and just pointed the finger it's the it's the modern day bone pointing she says that her entire practice is littered with it and again she's obviously saying you know you don't it's 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 like it's such a stupid point to just be like what so you're just excusing sexual assault and stuff like that no but there's this thing that needs to be really instilled in the population because and and the entire press is constantly trying to not do that which is that like dude innocent to pro- till proven guilty is there for a fucking reason mm. and you treat them as innocent until they're guilty but it's it's like and it's the same thing like when i'm talking about it now as soon as you say the word sexual assault or sexual harassment you feel like a queasiness in your gut and so you're just going off that emotion. And yeah. so you're just being like, I feel bad, therefore that person's guilty. We've been taught to think that way. And it seems strange that this is the one crime or series of crimes which, again, need to have 
it would be good if there were different words to describe the severity of these acts. Now, I know, look, there'll be a lot of people listening to, oh, two men talking about this. And again, look, allow yourself to be challenged and 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 understand that maybe maybe we are stupid men, okay? But maybe we could have something to say, or at least you can then better equip your argument by listening to us. But but this, uh, this again, like my barrister is a woman. She's like actually a feminist icon because she was like one of the first women to like crack into the bar. Because she's like old. She's like in her seventies or eighties or something. There's a very marked difference between second wave feminists and yeah, today's exactly. feminists. Like, so you can't even use that argument. They're different people, all of them. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, like that you you can't use that. You can't say like this is two guys saying I'm actually just relaying what she said. Well, there you go. Um and now I've even I can't But yeah, like it. oh yeah, yeah. So it's the, a weapon. I will That's say what I'm that saying. it's used as a weapon. When yes, so the, the, those crimes are the ones that are supposedly said because a pervasive and malicious culture exists that is why a lot of these crimes exist. Yet, for, for whatever reason, no one says that about other crimes. Yeah. No one's like, oh, there's a murder culture. That's why murders exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a weird thing. I don't really understand. Look, I, I'm still saying I don't understand it. You can... You can... You can look, I'm open to hearing things, but I maybe I, I really think I just think on a different wavelength to the people who are susceptible for falling for certain worldviews because that is a very emotion-laden uh, way of looking at the world. Like I said, I can, there is no clear definition for all of these terms. It seems it ostensibly is whatever I feel is toxic is toxic. Which, dude, you know what else is like really ironic about all of this? Yeah. That in itself is a culture. Yeah. Because in the, the 50s, my for instance, culture. that that wouldn't have happened. Like, I'm not saying that the 50s is better, but I'm just using the example of the fact that that culture didn't exist, where it was just like, I feel uncomfortable, therefore I've been violated. That's like a very new concept it's a, in society. And it's... It's not good. It's not good. I can't see how it's beneficial. Look, it's important to listen to people and hear them out if they feel uncomfortable. But to assume because you feel uncomfortable, there's some sort of wrong that has been committed against you. And not only that, it is a symptom of an oppressive culture that is so embedded in the psyche of our population that it's subconscious. No, maybe you are... Just a little snowflake. Yeah, that might be. <laughs> that that could with, be a possibility. I'm with Ben Shapiro on this one. No, it's true. Like it's it's <laughs> it, it is like a character. It is like a show of weakness. I think when you just like. I it's feel like what you were saying with the guy that beheaded beheaded somebody, like as well. Like that, it does show like a weak mentality. It's just like yeah. my. My reality is so correct that it can't be challenged at all. Yeah. And if it does, there will be serious repercussions. It's the mark of somebody who is inherently weak. Yeah. That's maybe why they hate. Again, I look at the all the... Sort of just like, the, like they're like, oh my God, toughen up. What do you mean toughen up? 
Maybe that's why because, they're so offended because by Because they probably grew up in really upper class white. This is all very white, by the way. It is. White households that never told them to freaking toughen up. So that concept is oppressive to them. Well, that's what Camille Paglia's theory is all the time about what happened to feminism. Feminism was all about, before that, it was actually just about like getting into blue-collar jobs and stuff like that. Now it's this... She marks it as like kind of like a, a weepy whiny brand. That's like the, <laughs> the, the the pernicious like that's that's the the current culture thing of just just being like society is there to protect me. That seems to be the mm, the message that they're saying. Whereas like she's brilliant. Where she was saying that the original message was like I want to be allowed to be exposed to the dangers of society. Yeah. Which one is it? Is it do you want to be seen as the gentler sex that needs to be protected or do you want to have the same, you know, be treated the same? Yeah, because exactly. But they want both. Yeah, you can't, yeah, they want both. <laughs> but see, that's All those the, memes are correct. What? Where it's like the meme of like feminists flying towards equal rights and then equal responsibilities and they fly right back. <laughs> no, it's definitely true. And like it's really, really obvious in the sydney morning herald coverage of it because as we've been saying before the actual real difference between the telegraph and and nine fairfax both of them politically support exactly the same party they just have different branded messages to getting there which is usually as we were saying before telegraph has the it's a joke toughen up buttercup kind of response to it mm. whereas Sydney Morning Herald is always doing that why is it problematic this is very very problematic they're always pushing that line right that's the real difference between the two it's just selling these two these two like little brands to each other but like conversing people into voting for the same party but just well, like speaking to them in their language well written fragility well written fragility it does oh actually God. scare me because, like, I hate, like, how people are always just saying that, like, society is, um, like, th- this is Orwellian or something like that. But there is a reason that that word became so prevalent in the English language. It's because a lot of these things are. Like, I really like the fact that the main character was part of the Ministry of Information. And it's, it's that same thing. Like, he was just always, George Orwell was always using that character to show, like, how words become weaponized. Actually, just to tie it back to what we were originally talking about. And we got sidetracked a bit there, Bob. But it's cool that we did because it actually Ooh, does be show... another one that probably gets snipped out of... Well, the last one we said... I said some controversial things and I think we both did on this one. Snip it out. Yeah, but dude, like, yeah, it's like, again, like... Let it happen. I think that this is the whole thing is that, like, the people that are attacking you... They're just looking for ammunition. So they're always just going to clip whatever the fuck you say out of context. I don't actually think that it changes the mind Mm. of the average person listening to you. Yeah. And we got to be careful of that on our side, if you will. That's a silly term. No, not our side. I would implore the listeners to also be wary of seeing a quote of someone who adheres to an ideology that they disagree with and make a judgment of that person based on one quote. So I got to make sure if I see one quote of 
someone who does want to restrict free speech or doesn't think comedians should have total free expression, not to judge that person on that one quote. Uh, probably if, if you see a one quote of a liberal politician, not to judge them. So we've got to be make sure we are aware of this and our own biases and, and insistence to try and do because no, but you it's know what I easy think it is to do that. It's, yeah. It is easy to just – oh, look at that. Of all the infinite words this person has said throughout their life, oh, look, that one thing they said, they're evil, boom. I don't have to think. I don't have to, I don't have to explore the idea and contend with the possibility that that may have some articulate and intelligent points that could benefit me. No, I can dismiss them entirely. I can other them. Yeah, I think the, the the way sort of to look at life and I suppose like this is exactly converse to what I was just saying before, but this is kind of the difference between, I guess, symbiotics or, or communication and linguistics, if you like really roughly, but... Yeah, instead of looking at what people are saying, think about what they're trying to value by saying it. What's a... So... Okay, so like... Uh, like okay, the journalists attacking you, they value the fact that you're not a threat. Is that So, so they want to keep you low and say, this person's... This person's not a threat. This person's just a YouTuber. No, they're doing the exact opposite. They're saying that, like, I'm this, you know, big problem mouthpiece that's, like, secretly controlled by labor. And What what they're really doing, their, their actual motive there is to distance me from labor politicians coming onto the platform because they kind of just want a monopoly on politicians having to use their means of communication so they can mm. control what their message is. That's really what they're doing there because they keep honing it, like just being like, Kevin Rudd's been on this guy's, could you believe that? But, you know, Batuta Advocate interview Malcolm Turnbull and they're just like, oh, my God, so funny, satirists, it's hilarious. They talked about sausage rolls and beer. Um, so that's, <laughs> it's so fucking infuriating. Um, no, but like, because I got them, like, because we got Chris Joe to ring them before I went on the phone to just, like, elicit what their values were. That's really what we were trying to do. And I guess we'll just finish on this because it's gone too long. But um, they, we pointed this out to them. We were just like, they have said in the past, again, com they, they think they're completely objective. They've said in the past that they're merging with nine Fairfax. So half of this nation's media in one company controlled by one board they said that was a good idea. We asked them, why is that a good idea? They said it's because they have more money. That's their value. Their value is that because they're, they're, like good is a value judgment. Saying the word good is a value judgment. Was there anything more to that or was that the end of what they said? They said that it was because of like, you know, it gives us access to do more resources, to do more journalism. I had, an, I had a fucking budget of zero dollars. We exposed a huge corruption ring in the Narendra Council that has just been completely ignored for the last 50 years. Yeah. What's money got to do with it? What are they going to do with that extra money? Okay, they're going to, the people at the top are going to take the biggest just slice of the pie. Prices, yeah. And then the 
then they're going to use some of that extra money to employ some graduates who are really woke. Yeah. And wear stupid clothes and think they're the voice. Oh, these people are the voice of the youth. No, everyone hates them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same it's the same pattern again because they're appealing to that little crowd of people. Um yeah, another another example was I was like Christo just asked them over and over again, "Do you think that spatial extinction is a good thing or a bad thing?" They refused to answer the question. That is the most straightforward question I've ever heard in my life. Do you so, think a species going extinct is good? So were you interviewing them concurrently or what was like they rang up to ask me their like little attack questions of just being like, were you stalking this like journalist or whatever? And like, we, we, what do you, uh, what did you actually mean when you say you should touch their ass? Like those kind of questions. Okay. Do you, just really quickly, do you think, because I keep relating this to Trump, I'm not really, you're not Trump at all, but what he did, which was so effective is, and he's not doing this anymore, but you know, say when that, pussy tape thing came out he just went on the attack rather than he just said yeah it was locker room talk i apologize here are the 17 women that have accused bill clinton of assaulting them Mm. it was just attack 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 Mm. it wasn't ever trying to uh even if they were dishonestly i think with that tape they weren't they, they were just showing the tape but in a situation where a media outlet is dishonestly attacking you do you think it's worthwhile trying to show, hey, look how dishonest these people are? When, look, your audience and everyone under the age of 40 with half a brain understands that these uh, media outlets all have a, a tilt or a bias or an agenda of some sort. Now, some people have different ideas about what that agenda is. But how many people still in that age bracket today sit there thinking, well, this is the authority of the bastion of uh, noble discourse and investigative journalism. So is it really worthwhile for you to even, you know, further prove that point when everyone already agrees with that? Isn't it better to just just, just keep battering them into the ground? And yeah. just go on the attack. It's funnier that way. Yeah, it's more entertaining. It's more fun. That's that's definitely true. The only value that I would say in it is that, like, the way that Donald Trump presents the propaganda model to the public, the way that he's trying to convey it is just like, it's all fake news except Fox News. Yeah. That's yeah, what he's so trying he's to say, right? saying that, yeah. But I'm, like, the, the actual way of instilling it is every... Exactly what you were saying before. Follow the money. Who who controls the purse strings of these organizations? That's who is controlling them. And I think that that's the point that needs to be pointed out. Like, so I used to get this message all the time from people saying, like, the ABC is like the last bastion of independent journalism. And it's like, what the the the, the institution that is completely controlled by the government, the government being a governing party, they're controlling a hundred percent. Commercial news stations, probably like they would probably be. There's more conflicts competing there. There's like just one monopoly on power there, telling them what they should and shouldn't report. Yeah, like these things need to be pointed out to people. And like the other thing is like the stupid little myths around it of just being like ABC left wing, Murdoch press right wing. No, they're all telling you the same message. They're just presenting it in different ways. 
But yeah. show me an outlet that isn't pro-liberal. Like, show me a major news organization that isn't. I, I can do a thorough institutional analysis of their coverage. I will show you every time that they are thoroughly supporting the Liberal Party. I haven't looked at the ABC for a long time, but when I did look at some of the stories, I'd see not so much the way, what they were talking about, the way they presented it was very much a overly compassionate to the point where there was just no possible analysis that could really occur. So say with the refugee issue, for example, it was, this is what's happening. And we interviewed a former refugee who's going to talk about how bad it was in the camp or whatever, mm. which again, that they're implicitly putting into your mind that, hey, the, the refugee policy is bad. Which is a deliberate tactic, again, because this is what is a wedge issue. It's the same with Adani. The strategy of what you have to realise is that, like, all of the press is aimed at keeping the Labour Party out of power because that's the one that has the most likely chance of getting it out. So the way that they get that, around that, and and get different demographics to look at it is, like, uh, the Telegraph will thoroughly support One Nation, will thoroughly support the Liberals. Uh, what, what the ABC will do is it'll... Th- It'll, it'll support the Greens. You'll see it over and over again in their coverage. They're, they're always giving Greens, like, complete leeway to say whatever the fuck they like in it. Again, because they're not really a threat to power. All they are a threat to is eating away at the Labor vote. So it ticks that box off. But also what they're constantly doing is shitting on the Labor Party. So they're not like... So th- they'll, th- they'll sit there... Huh? That was when... Th- yeah, that would have been when there was a Liberal Party and they were talking about how bad the they were they weren't explicitly saying it, but it was very clearly That the refugee policy is bad? Yeah. Which is exactly the, the design of it, right? Which is that the Murdoch base really likes the refugee policy. So they're obviously just gonna defend it. Mm. Obviously the, the demographic that they're trying to attract to watch the ABC, uh, you know, people who like go to plays and that that kind of shit right so like they they'll they'll be going to them and so they will just be giving them these little issues like that uh and they will be saying like yeah oh so bad the refugee policy now why are they doing that it's because labor because of how it's been set up has to match the liberals refugee policy down the line to keep it out of the press so what the abc is constantly trying to do is to get labor politicians to say anything about the refugee policy so it can spark up that debate and that eats away votes from both sides because uh, if the Labor Party changes its position from the Liberal Party, then, like, its support base is just going to be like, you're so inhumane, and then they'll just go and move to the Greens, right? Yeah. If they do change their... Po- if they, if like so, So their natural base hates that fucking policy... But also the liberals, um, the liberals just have that fucking vote in lock anyway of people that like the policy. So if they uh, do yeah. move to the other side, they're just like, oh my God, they're so soft on it. So no matter what the fuck the Labor Party does on that policy, it can be used to siphon votes off of them. That's why they have to keep it there, which is why you see people like the, the ABC constantly talking about refugees. And the other thing that they're constantly talking about, Adani. They're always talking about the Adani mine in fucking Queensland. 
how does that okay so it still does take votes away from i just can't look i agree that it's not it you could say that it's culturally left wing but i don't again i haven't watched it for years so i can't really be you know the authority on this I'll have to look at it again and, and sort of, you know, with the information you've given me, because I see something like that where it's a sort of implicit talking about how, hey, look, this is the refugee policy is inhumane. That's what the the the, the slant of the piece, it was coming across. It was very clear. Now, if the Liberal Party are in power and then what I was seeing on social media and generally in the press was that Look, the liberals are doing this refugee policy, and it's and it's in, inhumane. So I I I guess it could push people to the greens. Yes, I can see that, but I, I I'm skeptical of how that particular instance can benefit the liberals. It's not supposed to benefit the liberals. The whole design of the ABC or it's how they've the moved it. No, it's basically to just attack the Labor Party. Like it's 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 to sit there. So you have this huge section of the press, which is the Murdoch press, yeah. sitting there and barracking the Liberal Party, saying how awesome it is, how it's getting every decision right, how there's like truly a brave leader in Scott Morrison. They're constantly cheering on Scott Morrison, right? Yeah. The purpose of the ABC is to sit there and be like, oh, the Liberals are shit, obviously, because they're never going to get that vote. Yeah. They're never going to get the vote of the people that are watching the ABC. Yeah. But they sit there and just be like, but the Labor Party's so disappointing. The Labor you can't ever be okay. excited about a Labor government. You can never be yeah. excited about a Labor government. They're just they're 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 just another side of the same coin. You know, they're, they're very okay. disappointing. So the whole point is to make their natural base despondent. Yeah. So they're not going to sit there and push their friends and say, like, you need to get this party elected for X reasons. Okay, I can see that then. That's the design, right? Like it's it's a very clever and the thing is, man, like, That's I know that when I'm saying this, it sounds like conspiracy. Dude, I talk to pollsters on a daily basis, no, you know, I'm like, they sit there and they, this is what they think about. They think about how to manipulate sections of society to do their bidding. Because you know? the, the, the typical story would always be like, this is the... Uh, current policy that's enacted by the government. We spoke to one person who was personally affected by this policy so they can tell you about how they were so hurt by it. And then we're going to interview a Labour Party. Then I guess, yeah, they would maybe do something like they've they've shown someone who's clearly hurt that getting the empathy out of the population. So they're already like, mm, that policy is terrible. And then they'll interview the Labour politician saying, why aren't you? Why? Why is your policy not really uh, that different from? Yeah, true. They do. That's what they do. do. Like that, yeah. You know, like it's constantly. It's you're never allowed to be excited about a Labor government, but the the base is constantly getting g'd up about voting for a Liberal Party, and as as, as Donald Trump shows, like energy matters. Interest matters yeah. when winning elections. It especially matters ah, in a U.S. election. Uh, that's a good point, yeah. But it, it also matters in, like, every election, right? There's that point. Then the other thing is that, like, man, just because it's, like, freshly in my head, not that it's, like, the paragon of news, but you can see the exact same thing happening in the 7.30 report any night or on um, Insiders or any of those programs on the ABC, but it was just because I just saw it recently. Tom Ballard interviewing Bill Shorten. What did he do? First things, straight to it. Refugees, Adani. Straight off the bat, every time, those two wedge issues. That's what's called a wedge issue, right? Like where you just get an issue where like no matter what response they have, they're fucked. So you keep 
talking about that issue. So they're going to piss off like a swath no matter what they say. Those are the things that he says. It's just attack, attack, attack. The whole thing, you can go and watch it now. This is the opposition leader, Bill Shorten. Then they get on Tim Wilson, who used to be an IPA lobbyist. He was most famous, most famous for trying to revoke plain packaging cigarettes and repeal the carbon tax. The two things that the Tonightly never shut the fuck up about is like mm, climate change and like, you know, obviously they think cigarette smoking's bad, you know. What do they talk to him about? Ah, oh, so you're the first parliamentarian to get married in, in parliament, a gay marriage. You, you propose to your fucking partner in parliament. Yay, gay marriage. There's a bit of a difference there in how they're covering both of them, isn't it? Like, one is just yeah. a complete fucking fluff piece. If that, yeah, I'd have to look at it. I don't watch these things, <laughs> so I don't know. Any, I haven't watched it for years because it just... It, it's, it's infuriating. It's infuriating, man. I can't. Like I said, no, the fair only enough. one They're I like terrible. is Sky News. Me too. Not because I agree with it, but because it's just It's got flavor. Yeah, it's got spice to it. Um, it's got spice to it. And uh, you know what else I like about it? It's, it's that the point that we were just talking about before. That there's nothing fucking... There's nothing underhanded about it. Like, you know exactly what their fucking position is. They're yeah. stating it to you. Yeah, I, I really do appreciate that. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I know, but they're afforded that opportunity because that's what the Murdoch press is pushing, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, we've got to, yeah, we've got to wrap this one up. But um, good chat. That went all over the place. Uh, we we're going to answer a question. We'll do that next week. But subscribe, follow us, share this to your friends on social media, and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in.